People, welcome to Have Guitar Will Travel, presented by Vintage Guitar Magazine, with your host, me, James Patrick Regan, otherwise known as Jimmy from the Deadlies. And today I'm speaking with Eric Montgomery, guitarist and keyboardist for Marin Morris. We were speaking at the Bottle Rock Festival in Napa, California, and in our conversation we cover his tour schedule since COVID. Eric discusses his history with Marin Morris, including his fifth show with her at the Grammys, and how he got the gig. He talks about growing up in Northern Virginia and his early musical experiences. He also discusses moving to Nashville and his early gigs in Nashville, and how he developed relationships within the music community. We talk about his first guitar and his current gear while touring and recreating the sounds on Marin's recordings. Eric talks about his current guitar collection. To find out more about Eric, you can go to his website, that's ericjm.com, that is E-R-I-C-J-M.com, and please like, comment, and most of all, share this podcast. I'd really appreciate it, and please support Vintage Guitar Magazine for all the things they do for us guitar players, because they do so many things for us guitar players. Here's Eric. If you wouldn't mind, sir, please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Eric Montgomery. I play guitar and keys for Marin Morris, and uh, we're here in Napa, California, playing the Bottle Rock Festival, Yep, um, one of our few festivals here in 2021, oh. uh, kind of weird touring year for many of us, but uh, happy to be playing music. So, are you guys doing, what dates are you doing? Uh, so we've played, this will be like our third show of the year, basically, really? and I think we have three more after this um so pretty limited uh run of shows here this this year um we're doing aspen jazz fest on sunday and then oh really (laughs) kind of a hometown show in uh franklin tennessee pilgrimage festival Uh um later in september um and as i think it stands that's it for this year and then we're kind of gearing up uh hopefully 2022 will uh, be busier and, and pre-pandemic, how was it? It was pretty busy. So Marin had put out a record uh, early 2019. So we had like the kind of promo cycle sure. and then tour um, all that year. Did some festivals. We played Bonnaroo that year and some uh-huh. others that summer. And then kind of things wound down like right before Thanksgiving uh-huh. uh, of 2019. And so we had there was a tour booked for 2021, and um, and so we were. You know, ready to go and then sure. come you know just a few weeks before that tour was gonna pick up uh was when kind of everything yeah. stopped yeah. um and so that it, we went through the whole cycle of things getting pushed back a little bit and it, at one point they had actually fully rebooked the tour for 2021 uh-huh. um but it was earlier in this year and it was at a point where like the vaccine wasn't out and it was everything was just so up in the air um, so they ended up just canceling that, and so we've just done these handful of festivals, and uh, been waiting for for what's next. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, sounds like uh, at least demand for music and the, the audiences are ready for it. So oh, once, yeah. once it's uh, happening again, it sounds like it'll be busy and uh, it'll be good to be back out there. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to it, but we're having to just practice a little more patience. Sure. How long have you been with Mary? Uh, coming up on five years now. Um, I think I started right at the end of 2016 uh-huh. um, when they kind of added a couple people to the band. Um, and so 
uh, played a few shows then, and then we were touring uh, pretty consistently since then. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a great you know, great five years now. Yeah. Um, but when, when you started, what what size venues were you guys playing? We uh, so some of the first shows that I did that we played with her in early 2017 were some headlining shows of hers and we were playing uh, clubs like on the order I remember playing 930 Club on that tour so that's about a 1200 cap venue um, in my or near my hometown in DC Uh so it was definitely on that you know 1000 1500 cap rooms for a while and then uh, it started I remember then that fall it felt like we had stepped up a little bit sure um, and then we were doing opening slots on other tours uh, playing like big amphitheaters and yeah. stuff like that um, but just it's been uh, a pretty consistent growth uh, yeah. for you know the whole time really I've been with her and so which has been awesome like yeah. you know it feels like you know every year it's like oh well up at the next big venue, but so. a thousand cap isn't isn't bad. No, not at all. And like, it's a great. Uh, there was a awesome time to kind of join on because things were just taking off so sure. fast at that point. Really, one of I think literally like the fifth show or performance I had with her was on the Grammys. Oh wow! Um, so it it worked out really well. Yeah. To, to pick up then because that would have been you know February uh, of 2017 and that was when she she won um, I think it was best uh, country performance uh-huh. for my church yeah and uh, so it was you know we played the Grammys and then we were playing like little clubs and so I mean the crowds were it was just packed in there and everyone yeah. was really excited so it was really good energy um, and yeah it's just been kind of a uh, roller coaster, just an up, uphill launch from, <laughs> from there. So yeah. The, did, how did she find you, or how did you find her? So I uh, got called totally out of the blue um, from her musical director at the time, who had apparently called a, a friend of mine, uh, a keys mostly keys player, play some guitar, a guy named Ben Allman, uh-huh. um, fantastic keys player. He had been. Uh, playing with Grace Potter, uh-huh. um, I think at the time, and he wasn't available. They called him to come audition. They were sure. just lining up um, a handful of people to come in and audition, and he wasn't available at the time, or I think had just enough stuff booked over the upcoming months where he just couldn't um, commit to anything. And wow. so he passed my name along, um, and uh, so I got a call out of the blue. And wow learned a few songs in a couple weeks and yeah. then went in but yeah so it was uh kind of weird for me because i don't feel like i'm as uh much in the country music scene where that exists i have a lot of friends who have gotten gigs and are uh at least in the circles where names get passed along and you get called for auditions and you you know, audition for a bunch of things and something picks up and you tour yeah. with an artist for a year or two or something like that. And, um, but I, uh, am admittedly not really in that scene very much. So it was, uh, it, just a good happenstance coincidence, sure. I guess. And, uh, ended up working out. Did, um, so you grew up in DC? Grew up in Northern Virginia. Okay. DC, yeah. And, um, 
was uh, I went to school at the University of Virginia, uh-huh. um, and then was back in the D.C. area for a couple of years after graduating, playing with a bunch of singer-songwriter artists, um, kind of whoever uh, whoever would have me. I was in you know, bands in college and stuff like yeah. that, but it uh, just got to the point where I uh, nothing in the D.C. area was consistent enough work-wise you couldn't have one gig you had to have sure. five or yeah. more yeah. um just to stay busy yeah. um and i was teaching a lot of lessons as well which i didn't mind doing uh-huh. um but it's kind of its own headspace you sort of have to be in um yeah. and so i had a handful of friends who had moved or were looking at moving to nashville um which at the time not that it uh still is a, it's still a relatively affordable city, but yeah. eight, nine years ago, it was especially affordable. Sure. And um, so a bunch of us broke musicians were like, yeah, I could uh, yeah. find a room in a house with some people to live in and, and go live for cheap and figure out how to make it work. So, um, we, what, was, what was the first club you walked into in, in on South Broadway? Uh, oh, man. I So I did not do the Broadway thing cool. uh, at all. Um, so I have been down there just honestly what would i would say a handful of times it's kind of like the place to go when like friends are in town and like sure. want to go um see you know what what is admittedly like something very unique to nashville yeah. um so it's something that obviously a lot of cities don't have so it is cool in that sense but um yeah i i never really did the broadway thing i was kind of in the the east nashville mm-hmm. uh music scene of like the singer songwriter sure. so not really country music at all yeah. a, a lot of like what would be probably considered americana yeah um oddly freed and, and uh, all those guys yeah so uh a guy that i played with a whole lot who's still one of my good friends and neighbor uh artist named mark Sevilla, um who's from buffalo but had been living in nashville by that point for a few years and um and very much kind of a, the like Springsteen, sure. a little bit of Dylan vibe, okay. and um, so we toured for uh, a few years there. And he kind of went through like had record deals and stuff. And so uh-huh. at different points in time, we were doing a bunch of touring or on opening slots, and other times just playing his shows. And um, so that was kind of that was really my first consistent gig, which yeah. is what I moved to Nashville to do was to you know find artists that were playing enough and at least at a level where you know i could kind of play with one artist and not feel like i had to piece together sure um a schedule of you know with a whole bunch of different bands and artists um, jumping back and forth so um so that was kind of my first sort of nashville thing Uh um which was which was great and um yeah i went from uh there and then would take on you know either little side gigs or sub gigs sure. or one-offs um with different artists and it honestly went about from that into the call that i got to go wow. play with Marin. so right on. um so fortunately i haven't had any long super long stretch without kind of having a gig great um, that's great yeah that if you don't mind could we back up a little bit sure so you're um being in in northern virginia mm-hmm. Where, who were your guitar guys? Was it Danny Gatton and those guys, or, or was it more singer-songwriter people? Uh, it, more singer-songwriter. It was all, um, I mean, because these artists uh, all 
really couldn't have totally consistent bands. There were just groups of musicians that would jump on different gigs. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, someone was out playing with someone else, so then you had to fill in um, and find a different bass player on, on this gig or whatever. And so um, it was certainly all about, you know, playing for the artist, playing the artist's songs and serving the song, yeah. uh, which is obviously, you know, great lessons as a musician um, to learn and absorb. So that was... Uh, kind of the, you know, I guess where I sort of learned to be a, uh-huh. um, a, a hired gun musician. Sure. Um, and so... Uh, Were you playing keys out of the gate? Uh, I was usually... I was almost always, like, the guy that could be called to play some keys and or guitar. Uh-huh. Um, and some gigs certainly called for both. Sometimes it was... I'd be playing maybe just guitar with an artist for a while, but then they would want to expand the band and it was easier to hire another guitarist and move me to keys uh-huh. oh, okay. <laughs> so um there were artists that over the course of um you know just sporadic gigs i would play keys or guitar or bass um uh-huh. which was fun to kind of approach the same songs on a different instrument um so it was it was always a little bit of both i personally grew up uh playing i took classical piano lessons uh-huh. and since forgotten most of that but uh-huh. uh uh, stuck at least stuck with playing keys, and then um, got my first electric guitar. I think when I was thirteen. What know, was like, it? Like you do. It was a it was a Squire Strat. Okay. Um, with the classic crate amp, uh, uh-huh. with the the distortion channel, you would just turn on eleven. Uh-huh. You're just, <laughs> just you're just a kid, so you're, uh, you you're, didn't know better. Um, you're you're post Sears guitars and Montgomery oh, sure. Ward guitars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't. Uh, which kind of sucks because yeah you hear the stories of the the kids that got a guitar back then that actually turned out you know was certainly a cool guitar no not really no they were (laughs) those and most of them ended up in the garage in the garbage yeah that's where i i feel like i might have eventually given that guitar away i don't have it anymore Uh um so it might have been just a, a gift to some other kid who was just starting out um but uh yeah so that's kind of where i started in um then at uh, UVA, studied, uh, did took some jazz piano lessons. I was like in one of like the jazz combos. Uh-huh. Um, kind of faked my way through some of that, and um, uh, but kind of came out from there, you know, ready to uh, just play whatever people would have me play sure. if uh, there was a, a paying gig. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that was when I first started. It was kind of a, a mix of everything, and I think that's kind of been. I've I've learned to just lean into that and accept that I'm I'm rarely, if ever, going to be the best guitarist on a given stage, or maybe even the best keyboard player. But I might be the guy who can do both. You're the right guy. <laughs> so um, I've just learned that's that's obviously a, a strength, and uh, I guess kind of my thing. There's certainly other. Uh, fantastic kind of auxiliary players out there but oh, it's yeah. um definitely a something that a lot of artists need and is a useful thing to have yeah. uh out on the road when you don't want to hire you know 12 people for your band yeah. does she have you play on the records um we have for the most part she's done her records just with her producers okay um so uh occasionally i know there have been like full recording sessions uh-huh. um uh but we haven't generally been a part of those. Yeah. Um, certainly, like some live, there've been performances that live performances that have been recorded, yeah. and like released. Yep. Um, 
but I know she's been working um, and did so on her last record with uh, Greg Kirsten, sure. who's a great producer and mm-hmm. a phenomenal musician on almost all instruments. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think he's, uh, like when they're working together, he can kind of take uh, take care of just about anything that's needed. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so for the most part, it is like a, it's a touring band kind of mm-hmm. uh, situation. Um, yeah. What's your rig consist of right now? Oh, so I've got uh, so for the on the key side of things, uh, just a Nord, um, like most of us have, just to cover as much mm-hmm. ground as possible with one thing. The, the that's also then hooked up to a computer, and we have main stage running for some of the um, kind of crazier synths, and we also use that in order to. Uh, um, do the vocoder. I actually play the vocoder part on the middle oh, wow. live, and um, so we're using um, vocal synth from Isotope, and yeah. spent a long time getting that dialed in, uh, which was a lot of fun, honestly. Um, when we were first figuring out how to play sure. the middle, and you know, go from you know playing you know kind of pop country music to yeah. how do we play a, an EDM song live, basically. Um, so that's kind of the keys rig. Um, then the guitar side of things, I've got a uh, um, right now a Swart amp. Uh, the guy Michael oh, cool. Swart yeah, of course. In North Carolina. From your, yeah, from your neck of the woods. Um, yeah, and I have a few of his amps. And so right now I've got, I think, what's the biggest or highest wattage amp he makes uh, called the ST45, which okay. is kind of a basement JTM45, sure. sort of in that. Yeah. Um, range and running that with uh one of the Oxbox uh-huh. uh universal audio uh yes for the cab simulation just you, to, you need to explain that to me how that works because i don't i can't understand so the Oxbox it uh it, that kind of started when we just wanted a little more consistency uh or and we were you know figuring out placing mics every night and you, like, you'd realize like oh it's an inch further from the speaker or whatever yeah. and um so being able to plug that thing in every night. And know it's like a cabinet simulator. It's a cabinet simulator, um, and it does. You also get to choose what mics you're using, oh, wow. and you know you can so you can switch between a few different cabs, a few different mics, and then even put like a a little compression. And there's like a room mic thing that you can turn up, and so you get kind of a uh, a little bit of like a three yeah, space sure, sure. around a slight um, bit of echo or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounds like you're. You know, you have a guitar cab in a room in yeah. a studio. Um, so that's been uh, great to just kind of know, at least in the sense that there are so many variables when you're out on the road. Oh, yeah. And um, trying to kind of control what you can, at least. Um, yeah. And so uh, have that. Um, and then a really, honestly, for now, at least until I decide to throw everything out and rebuild a new one, a pretty <laughs> simple pedal board uh-huh. um, with just a, a few drive pedals you know, Timmy and um, mm-hmm. I've got that Chase Bliss Brothers uh, uh, overdrive pedal that can handle a few different things and I'm using a HX uh, effects I think is what it's called so it's one of the Helix sure. things but doesn't do any of the amp modeling it's just the delays and reverbs yeah, and yep, modulation yep, yeah. um, which has been great because I can kind of program everything it's pretty small we can fly with it really easily yeah and, um is there a lot of settings that you have to do for each song, or there there actually are? Um, I've kind of at this point there are songs where I've got you know four different settings throughout, and I know there are some gigs that are 
probably even more specific and dialed in than that. But um, yeah, definitely, it's nice to kind of have that power, knowing that like, okay, hey, that you know, we want to add a spacey, washy intro sure. onto this song. Okay, cool. I can I can pull something up and save that as a as an extra setting. Yeah. Um, how much how much pressure is there to recreate exactly what the record sounds like? Uh, it's it's not as intense as I'm sure some gigs are. Um, we I certainly really enjoy doing that, especially on the keys side of things, where you, you, we can spend you know as much time as we can trying yeah. to dial stuff in. I think with uh, with the guitar stuff, is kind of a, an acknowledgement that we're not bringing multiple amps out on the road and we're not you know bringing massive rigs in order to try to nail every single different tone it's like we understand we've got you know a few guitars one amp um we're going to kind of have to work within the confines of what that can do um but certainly we spend a good bit of time the learning the songs in in the first place and trying to get things set and then in rehearsals we'll be soloing up the stems from the record and be like this guitar sounds like this let's make sure you know there's too much reverb here dial it back or whatever that may be and um so it's it's a lot of fun to do that because you you know first of all you're uh obviously the work that went into the records themselves and and how well they're done and how great they sound and then any um, pressure for you to use like a camper or anything like that so far not yet uh so yeah knock on wood there (laughs) so uh and part of that i think if if i wanted to i think you know no one would complain some people probably be very happy but uh yeah i think it would you know they'd be like well we can easily fly with this anywhere in the world and um it might simplify some things part of it is i i find myself either lose almost losing interest when i have to get into too many menus on a device yeah Um, yeah, yeah. and so uh i have no doubt that those that clearly i've got uh friends and buddies that have those and have them super dialed in it sounds amazing um but i think maybe they just have a little more patience for figuring out how they work um and uh i know that i can generally plug in an amp and most of the time make it sound all right i kind of trust myself to do that um so we're uh i mean if it if it goes that direction that's fine and you know we'll uh figure out how to make those tones sound good song to song in the meantime i'm happy to play play one amp and 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 make that work and and so far that's uh we've all been happy with yeah yeah. exactly the uh what uh, guitars that you're using uh so let's see here today i've got um uh so i've got a collings 290 so it's kind of a les paul jr sure uh, with with p90s um that has a bigsby on it i've got a a bigsby um um, because you want to make it really difficult to exactly to want to tuning to be as just string up as possible. Yeah, we've had a, a few shows here where like humidity and temperature is changing throughout the day and and uh, even throughout the course of the set. So yeah. you're having them, you know, waving down our guitar tech and, and like, hey, I need that guitar in two songs. Like, I think it's way out of tune. Yeah. Can you get me close? And um, uh, let's see. I've also got a. a 335 that is a it's a 1978 so admittedly weird period of time guitar wise um but it was made in kalamazoo which was kind of uh at least when i bought it i thought that was cool um and 
the three thirty five a telly that is a um, it's an eighty two it's a it's a fifty two reissue. It's when Fender first started Just, making reissues. Yeah, exactly. And um, so I I can't afford a real fifty two oh, by any means. Not. Um, but <laughs> as far right as now. as far as reissues go, uh, I feel like that one's pretty cool. And uh, kind of similarly, it was made in um, Fullerton because uh, uh-huh. it was a oh. short period of time when they started making those reissues before they moved to Corona. So yeah. same thing there where I just I hope there's a little bit of uh, something special in that guitar because it was made on the same machines sure. you know that they were making the originals back in the 50s and 60s. Um, and then I also have a, a Revelator Strat. Um, so Revelator guitars are in New Jersey I believe and they're uh-huh. kind of the... Uh, um, generally make you, uh, Eric's the guy up there and they make um, Fender style guitars and usually kind of age them and relic them and sure. get them super dialed in so this was a uh, I think it is a model of a 57 Strat okay. um, which is a great that's the newest of those guitars that I actually just got earlier this year okay. um, so still kind of getting the hang of it are you collecting and, guitars? wouldn't quite well, maybe collecting I've got I've got once you have more than one, you yeah. can't play them all at once. No, so I guess you're true. kind of a collector. Um, but uh, I've, I've tried recently, in fact, I've tried to kind of uh, narrow in on the guitars that I know I, I really like, the guitars I'd certainly like to keep for a long time. Sure. And so um, I've tried to maybe call the herd a little bit. Um, but, uh, I mean, it'll it'll keep going. You, still, you, know, you find a cool guitar and you're like, oh, yeah, I'd... How about a baritone? Sure. Yeah. About, you know, I don't have I don't have something with uh, this type of pickup or something. And, yeah. And uh, you'll find an excuse to add something into the uh, the I guess little collection. Sure. <laughs> but, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's on the electric side. Then I do play acoustic a little bit um, on a handful of songs. I've got a Martin. Uh, I have a, a few Martins that I are newer ones that I feel fine taken out on tour uh-huh. um but then i've got uh you know the the one that stays at home yeah it's a uh got a 55 uh triple 018 oh wow um so right that'll never have like a pickup in it or anything yeah yeah so, um, that's what you say now but <laughs> um but yeah happy to the play kind of the newer ones that you know worst case uh if something happens to them they can either get repaired or replaced yeah and, yeah um so you kind of know to work within uh the realistic uh, confines of touring and yeah. flying and taking guitars all over the world. So yeah. Do you uh, do you ever go to Carter's or Groon or? Absolutely. Try try not to too much because uh-huh. it's a dangerous uh, dangerous place places to walk into. Um, but so I mean, love having those kinds of stores. You know, 10, 15 minutes from uh, where I live, and just the fact that those are place I can, if I know I'm looking for something, I can keep an eye out over there or yeah. just walk in and, and um, pick a guitar off the wall and kind yeah. of play and, and get a feel for <clears throat> maybe what I might be looking for. And, um, and you so, could, You're probably yeah. welcome to go up to the upper level of Groons, uh, where I can't, I, I can only be on the yeah, first floor. Yeah, actually, I have not been up there, partially because I haven't gone, I haven't gone in there, like, ready to, to throw down... <laughs> big money yet. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe someday as as I feel uh, I I uh, deserve or, or have a need or want for more of the that 
either vintage acoustic or something like that that um, I'd love to add to the collection. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you get paid per gig with Marin, or do you, or is it, is, are you, is there a salary? They've, they've been, uh, especially over the last like year and a half, taking really good care of us. So um, it's uh, been obviously budgets have been tight for sure. people all over the entertainment industry. So, um, but they've kind of kept us afloat uh, here for a good while, and so hopefully we're kind of looking at the end of the tunnel with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's been great to work for. Uh, an artist that both is at the the level where they, you know, I guess the budgets kind of allow for that, but also someone who cares enough about their touring band and yeah. and doesn't want a lot of changeover and wants and turnover and wants a lot uh, wants that consistency and wants to take care of um, the people that they they work with, uh, you know, day in and day out on the road. So yeah. um, it's been. Uh, not as bad, perhaps, as it could have been. Sure, um, sure. Do you, have to do, do you have to teach lessons or do, do anything to make ends uh, meet? I actually haven't been teaching lessons here in Nashville. I feel like I, I would have so many um, uh, Belmont graduates I'd be going up against uh, who are honestly probably more qualified than I am to teach music. Um, so I've, uh, I've still, when uh, kind of schedules and... Um, allow I'll jump on other uh, gigs with other artists or certainly sessions uh, when we're home often during the week you know country touring is frequently on the weekends sure, yeah. um, so you go out and play Thursday Friday Saturday so if I get called for a session on a Tuesday I can usually make that work right um, so take as many of those calls as I can get um, over the last few months uh, I've been playing uh, with another country artist actually a, a guy named Jordan Davis who I've known for years and some of the guys in his band are good buddies of mine and, and they were um, uh, starting back up kind of in the summer um, as you know the first shows were kind of beginning again and um, they needed uh, someone to jump on some shows so I told him hey like I've got you know five or six shows with Marin this year and um, they obviously knew that I'd toured with her and we're, yeah. we're like hey we'll take you for everything else that, right that you can do so that's been been great just to be playing show you know we've yeah. all been itching to get back out oh, there yeah. so yeah. um so it's been great to have you know something something to do in a sense yeah. and um just more more music to play and so and uh you know just guys ways, ways to get out of the house honestly. yes exactly <laughs> are you married uh not married but uh got a girlfriend so yeah um, you know, she's, we got to mostly enjoy the last year, you know, and a, and a half and, uh, of me not really going anywhere, um, yeah. which was a, a big change. Cause other than that, I've basically been, I've been touring for yeah. the last eight years of my life. And, um, so then we're kind of having to readjust a bit to, uh, me being gone somewhat uh, consistently now. So it's kind of. Uh, on a bunch of fronts sort of like getting your sea legs back and I was having to get used to packing a bag and leaving the house and yeah. uh, I you know the first, and I still now like feel like I'm forgetting something uh, I'm leaving yes. and, I, and I know you, know, that you go through all that so um, certainly when you're in the in the middle of a long tour you know you get pretty dialed in and a lot of it becomes pretty automatic and second nature but yeah. we're sort of at that point where it's like we're having to remember how to do a bunch of these <laughs> things again so um but yeah good i mean a good problem to have right now sure so yeah and the guitar tech 
uh, he works for the band or he works for you? Uh, so right now we have a few techs on stage that are just, they're also kind of catch-all, they'll help set everything up uh-huh. um, sort of thing. So one one guy right now is handling um, the guitar changes for Marin because uh-huh. she plays guitar on a handful of songs. So um, he'll then tune our guitars kind of between uh that but for the most part we've uh, been at the other guitarist and I just both have our like little guitar stands yes. racks of guitars right right next to us and we uh-huh. kind of pick them up and put them down and try uh-huh. to tune real quick between songs uh-huh. and, um, so and part of that I think has just been we're, we're still sort of yeah. production wise where we were two years ago because sure. um, yeah. you know that's just where things left off so we'll see moving forward as things continue to grow and and pick up maybe we'll we'll have someone who can hand me a guitar Uh, but in the meantime i don't i don't mind tuning them and uh it feels like you know you're just kind of you're i'm i'm at least sort of surrounded by got my amp behind me my guitarist inside the keyboard sort Uh of to the front and so i kind of live in my little world and um and uh, happy to do that yeah Yeah, exactly Well, I think I've taken enough of your time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. Um, this is this is an honor. Yeah, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see if we get a sound check here this afternoon. And uh, but looking forward to playing <laughs> yeah. playing Bottle Rock here in Napa, and yeah. um, hopefully we'll cross paths again. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. You know, maybe in this part or another part of the country. Uh, probably another year. part yeah, of the country. I don't know. For sure. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Have Guitar, Will Travel. You can catch up on all the things I'm doing at thedeadlies.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms as well. And please support Vintage Guitar and all the wonderful things they do because they do many, many wonderful things for us guitar players. Thanks. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thank you.